Foster, and this is the People Assured Podcast, where I discuss skills for work and life. Today, we're going to discuss what nature can teach us about leadership with my special guest, Jonathan Manley. Jonathan, welcome. Ian, thank you. Good to be here. Before we get to questions, I'd like to share your bio with our listeners. Jonathan is an advocate for both the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust and RSPB in the UK and is president of the Friends of Bosque Delapache, a not-for-profit supporting National Wildlife Refuge in New Mexico. After majoring in English at Jesus College, Cambridge, he began his career in shipping in the UK and Singapore, then as consulting partner with Ernst & Young. He's been a multi-time CIO at leading brands including Estee Lauder, Universal Music, the John Lewis Partnership and Harrods, and the non-executive director of K3 Business Technologies. He's currently chair of Digi Disruptor, a digital transformation startup. Jonathan, before we get to nature, can you give us some context and the background as to your interest in the humanities and how that evolved into a career in business and technology? Yes, that's a question that I've been asked many times, so I've got a well-rehearsed answer, which is basically that, that my career makes more sense looking backwards from here than it did looking forwards from the time that I got my degree. Um, what I found was, and this was not by design, is that a firm grounding in English literature and in some of the greatest storytellers that the, uh, the world has ever seen um, whether that's Shakespeare or Dickens uh, or Tolstoy, uh, has actually helped me in business be effectively the storyteller. So standing at the bridge between business and technology, um, making sense for business people of technical opportunities uh, and equally making sense of business problems for technical people. Uh, and I've found that, you know, an English degree has been the perfect preparation for that journey. Thank you. I know that you've been interested in nature for the 20 plus years that I've known you. Where did it all begin? Uh, that's a good question. And, and it, if you think back to when we were growing up, uh, it was a time when you would literally disappear for days. Well, maybe not days on end, but for an entire day. And your parents wouldn't know where you were. And you'd be out with your friends in a park, in open spaces, just doing whatever you wanted to do. Uh, and I think being out in the open air, both on the golf course, which was just at the back of where we lived, and we had a huge park just across the road, um, I would spend most of my days there. And I guess that just created a natural connection to nature just by being a part of it and, and observing what was going on. Uh, that's where it all began. Thanks, Jonathan. That makes sense. And like you, when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time outdoors playing football or cricket with my friends, either in the streets or going to the local parks and also learning to play golf with my dad. I'd like to move on to ask you, what are some of the observations you have from studying nature and birds in particular? So, I mean, there are all kinds of places you can look, but I, I guess I would start by, you know, if you look at geese, for example, which are 
not known as being, you know, the most intelligent or noteworthy uh, members of the animal kingdom. Um, even there, you can find incredible sophistication. And if you watch what geese do uh, during during migration, for example, you know, they've discovered things that have taken humans um, hundreds of years to discover, which is that if you fly in a V formation, then the amount of drag that the uh, everyone behind the leader has to experience is massively reduced uh, by something like 70%. And of course, that that in the, you know, if you take that analogy of flying in formation uh, into the business world, then, you know, you could argue, well, this is, this is the equivalent of organizational alignment. It's taking the friction out of the system. It's have everyone participating in the achievement of a single unifying goal. Uh, and once you take the friction out of the system, you inevitably end up with a much more efficient model. And what it tells you is that teamwork is not an option and alignment is not an option. It's the only option unless you want to expose uh, team members to a huge amount of individual uh, effort uh, by everyone flying solo, if you like. Uh, clearly, that's not efficient and isn't going to get you to where you're, to where you're headed. So that's a very simple example of something you would observe every day just by, you know, during migration, looking up into the sky and saying, I wonder why those birds are flying in a, in a V-shape. Well, that's, that's the answer. Thank you. I'd like to move on to ask you, what do you think are some of the broader lessons we can learn from studying nature? Well, maybe just focus on a couple of things. I think we have lost the connection that we maybe used to have, or certainly indigenous peoples around the world have always had with with the natural world. And and I think there's something very powerful being as one with nature rather than being somehow separate from it and observing it from afar. And I think if we allow ourselves to, that reconnection with nature can bring with it a great sense of calm. Uh, and in fact, there's a lot of work being done uh, at the moment. In fact, down in South London, there's some uh, th- there's uh, a group of physicians who, who are writing uh, we call green and blue prescriptions for people to reduce stress by um, by spending time in nature. There's a, a a scientific movement called ornotherapy, which is all about finding calmness in nature. So I think one thing we can we can learn is simply how to reconnect uh, and as a result of that how to um, uh, how to reduce our stress levels from our disconnected lives. But I also think in that process by allowing ourselves to reconnect I think we also allow ourselves to learn from nature and it's 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 quite remarkable that um, so give you a couple of examples at the moment uh, NASA uh, are doing a piece of work uh, looking at what they can learn from what we call in the UK um, cheese logs the little crawly creatures that roll themselves up in a, a ball I think over here they're called rolly bugs 
Um, the, the level of sophistication of that one insect is something that at the moment is being taken on board by NASA and they're only just beginning to understand how they can utilise that, uh, that complexity of that particular organism. You look at something like the, uh, the hummingbird and you can look at a hummingbird and say, well, isn't that beautiful? It's so tiny, looks like a, you know, looks like a big bug. But it's only by using advanced techniques that we discover, first of all, that they can see things that we can't. And secondly, that they have in their flight, they have a figure of eight um, configuration that their wings move through that we have found it impossible to mimic. The closest we've got to learning from birds in flight is, uh, is the Harrier jump jet, as it's called in the UK, which is the equivalent bird of the northern Harrier uh, over here, which is essentially something that can hover. Uh, and that and that took us 20, 30 years uh, to develop. Now, fair enough, nature has had, you know, a few thousand um, to get this right. And I think that's a that's a lesson for us with regard to nature, because frankly, the canvas and the opportunities are unlimited. Um, a, another example, uh, again, we come back to geese and this notion of flying in a V formation. Something um, that has been discovered over recent years is that the, the birds in the V constantly change uh, place with one another because, as most leaders know, leading is hard work. So if you're at one at the front of the V, you're taking all the headwinds and you're not benefiting from the 70% drag reduction from the birds behind you. So they will systematically do two things. One, they will continually communicate with one another from front to back and back to front. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Carry on, you know, we're nearly there kind of uh, language. But at some point, the leader will drop back and someone else will take the lead. And I think, you know, a, a lesson maybe we learn there is expecting one person to continually lead nonstop is actually not practical because leaders are going to get tired. So this notion of leadership as a service or leadership as a fractional activity is something that certainly works for the birds. And the other thing it does for them is it enables less experienced birds to get experience at the front um, and learn from that experience without being out there in a high-risk situation because all they have to do is communicate to the rest of the flock, I'm, I'm getting tired now, and they'll be replaced. So it's a, it's a perfect place to equip the younger birds who've never migrated before, for example, give them a little bit of time at the front, allow them to go back into the echelon, uh, and then to relax uh, and regain uh, and regain their strength. It also tells you something about communication, that it isn't just the leader of the group who's communicating, it's the leader of the group communicating and getting responses from the rest of the group. It's only when you close that communication loop and you're asking, how's the group doing, and so on, that's the value of communication as a dialogue. Yes, and in any system, uh, particularly when there's a team effort, that feedback is going to be critical. And I think this example also emphasises the importance of the overall contribution of the team. 
And so, Ian, j- just on that, the um, this notion of leadership as a service, uh, just to extend that a little bit, I think what it tells us is that everyone is a leader or everyone has leadership uh, accountability. And, and I always remember the CEO at uh, Estee Lauder, um, Fabrizio Freda, uh, used to have an expression, uh, lead from every chair. Uh, and I thought that was a really nice way of of telling people that you can't just take a back seat uh, and let everyone else take the uh, take the strain. You're all part. You're a collective part uh, of an endeavour, uh, and 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 in that endeavour, everyone is expected to play a role. And I think that's what that's what nature tells us and 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 shows us that once you're physically capable of participating in some way, then whatever unit it is you're part of will encourage you to step up and play that role. Thanks, Jonathan. What have you observed in terms of how birds handle conflict and disagreement? I think there's a very kind of basic uh, lesson uh, in that one of the things you see uh in 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 bird life is that uh, that discretion is the better part of valor uh and what i mean by that is that it's very rare unless it's a literally a matter of life and death or they're defending they're defending their chicks and even if they're defending their chicks that a, that a parent bird will put itself uh in in harm's way because they realise the potential implication of an injured leg, an injured wing, uh, anything that could stop them feeding themselves uh, or, or prevent, you know, efficient flight, you know, they wouldn't last very long. So they avoid conflict in the sense of, if you like, armed conflict uh, or physical conflict where damage can occur uh, is an absolute last last resort and I think that's uh, <clears throat> there's an important message there because you know at the end of the day survival is is an important consideration and living to fight another day uh, and I think it comes down to what what are the battles that that, that are necessary to win in the context of a war uh, and where can you just walk away with your Maybe not your pride intact, but at least your um, your your brand and your kind of physical repu- repu- uh, reputation. Um, avoid that being overly damaged, just as just through a matter of principle. Uh, and I don't do that lightly because obviously integrity is an important part of a personal brand. But just think about what the potential outcome of a situation could be, and is there any good outcome that can prevail uh, if you take that final next step? And birds do it because literally it's a matter of survival. Uh, And I think it's just an important consideration uh, for us when our hearts may be telling us one thing, um, that our, just to allow enough time for our brains to, uh, to kick in. Thank you. Our theme today has been what nature can teach us about leadership. 
In closing, are there any points that you'd like to reinforce? I think the key is to is to learn learn from everywhere. Sometimes your competitors come out of nowhere and you just need to be constantly on the lookout. I know that as we consider the digital world, one of the people you've learned from over the years is Professor Venkat Venkatraman of Boston University. So one of the things that Professor Venkat uh, encourages us to do, particularly in the digital age where the barriers to entry are so much lower, uh, is to be aware of the weak signals um, that are out there because of a discontinuity or a, if you're, like a disturbance in the force. Um, and basically what he's saying is that maybe there's a new entrant that you're not aware of that's starting to flex its muscles who's not been in your market or in your sector before, or equally there's someone in your sector who's doing different stuff than they've done before. So th these are all things to um, all things to be aware of. Um, it, just as an example, the the process that led to the perfection of the lipstick um, container um, didn't come from the cosmetics industry. Uh, it came from looking at ammunition uh, and the casing of a bullet. Uh, that was where the design for lipsticks uh, or originated from. So you sometimes have to look well outside your normal kind of sphere of interest um, to find these things that uh, are ultimately going to save you a lot of time uh, and effort. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure spending time with you today. Thanks for sharing some career and life lessons with us. Thank you, Ian. All the best. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the People Assured podcast. If so, please subscribe and share with your friends. And I'll be back with another edition soon. Bye.